How can you achieve and maintain business growth? Harvard Business School Executive Education is now accepting applications for a new program, Driving Profitable Growth. Taking place in Boston from October 25th through the 28th, this program focuses on business expansion and organizational growth strategies that can lead your company into the future. Learn more about this three-day program for senior leaders by visiting hbs.me slash growth. That's hbs.me slash growth. You are Locked On Bucks, your daily podcast on the Milwaukee Bucks. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to Locked on Bucks. I'm Eric Name. Joining me as always is my good friend Frank Madden. Frank, how are you doing? I'm good, Eric. I'm uh I'm hashtag Team Xanax still. And we <laughs> we uh we have actually some news. We've been kind of just like biding our time here as uh the interview process for the Bucks uh vacant or semi vacant GM position uh as that process kinda speeds through uh this week and um we we did get a uh a, a news story tonight or at least a couple of tweets from adrian wojnarowski um that three candidates have emerged as uh, as the finalists to uh to come back to milwaukee and have additional meetings with what woge terms as organization officials so i don't know who all that would would include but um it is uh I'd say two names that we we expected, and one name that uh, we kind of laughed at when it was first mentioned during this process. Yeah, and so I would say we're surprised at the the two names that we are not surprised at are of course Justin Zanuck, um, at current Bucks interim GM, and you know previously assumed to be the most likely candidate. Still, I would say assumed to be the most likely. Um, future GM of the Bucks, currently the interim GM, and uh, Arturis Karnasovas, uh, assistant GM with the Nuggets. Um, he has also, uh, according to Woj, made it to the the final round. And the last name, um, the last name, uh, well, Ed, Ed Stefanski. It, Ed Stefanski, right? That's what, <laughs> what, what Gary Wolfel wrote about that that he was the favorite earlier today. But no. Not Ed Stefanski, much too. Well, I don't know. I was gonna say that um, I, I kind of was just like we'd been sort of waiting around for the last like week, waiting for Ed Stefanski to be eliminated because we kind of ha- kept having to talk people off the ledge about him being a serious candidate. Um, so I was very glad to uh, see him not included in the finalist. Uh, although there was that like six-hour block of time after uh, Gary Wolf wrote a story saying that. Um, Refer to him as the front runner because Rod Thorne likes him, um, and thankfully that was was uh, put to rest tonight. But uh, and I've been sort of burying the comedic lead here. But Wes Wilcox, uh, formerly before he was forced to resign, uh, GM of the Atlanta Hawks. Um, we talked a bit about him last week, but he is the third name in the uh, in the list uh, for for the finals for the GM job. And I don't know, Eric. I mean. I mean, I kind of gave you my impression. I mean, maybe one surprise in that group. Um, I don't know any any reactions initially to that. I think um, you know it's sort of the the obvious, the kind of interesting, and then the 
what the heck is that guy doing in the list? Uh, that that was my sort of reaction to those three. Yeah, I think I would sort of agree with you, and I'm happy that I no longer have to receive tweets about Ed Stefanski. I no longer have to reply to tweets about Ed Stefanski. I no longer have to talk about Ed Stefanski. Um, I'm pretty happy about that, and, and kind of like we've said throughout this whole process, Rod Thorne and Ed Stefanski are boys. Like that, that has never been debated. That has always been known. And yeah, I, I do not doubt that Ed Stefanski was Rod Thorne's favorite candidate. I do not doubt that in any way. This probably tells you why Rod Thorne is, what, I don't even know what his job title is, special advisor, whatever it may be. He, he is not president of basketball operations. He is not, he, he does not have a very, high-ranking role in the Bucks' decision tree. Um, and, and I think this sort of proves it, that, okay, he can he can help out with figuring out the candidates, collecting the candidates, corralling the candidates, but ultimately when it comes down to deciding who your candidates are, well, Rod Thorne doesn't really have a say in that. And uh, I, I think you could see that kind of shine through in Ed Stefanski not being one of the three finalists. Um, I, I guess let's... Uh, I'll go to Wilcox first. Um, I think that the interesting thing with him is that there is no way a casual fan <laughs> has ever thought a positive thing about Wes Wilcox. Like, <laughs> like I just don't. I don't think there is. Like the the PR from his falling out in Atlanta is just so incredibly bad that I just don't think even if even if you studied and loved all the moves that Atlanta Hawks made there's to me there's just no way you can think of it any other way than oh yeah that was the guy that made racist remarks at that what was it a season ticket holders meeting like, like there's yeah. just there's no way you can think of him in any other way and maybe that's unfair that he he's, well what about what can't you also think about him as the guy who was forced to resign and is now a quote-unquote special advisor because apparently he wasn't that good at his job. Could we also maybe think of him that way? I don't know. That that might be a more, that, that's more that's maybe more reflective of his regular Correct. job abilities. But um, but yeah, a couple of the only data points we have are are not great. Not no. great on Wes Wilcox. And and that's the big thing to me is that it just kind of st- stands out. I, I think I would have expected bad haircut and all. Pete Dinwiddie to be <laughs> number three on this list as opposed to, to Wes Wilcox. So um, definitely agree with you that that is a, a big surprise that Wilcox is kind of in that final three. Um, but yeah, it, it just seems if you're trying to rank who, who you think would would be uh, the Bucks candidates, I, I think to me it breaks down pretty clearly that Zanuck would be the favorite, and I think both you and I, throughout this process, has said the overwhelming favorite, or maybe I added overwhelming. I don't know if you would have said overwhelming, but to me, throughout this entire process, Justin Zanuck has been the overwhelming favorite to, to I would keep this job. I don't know what how to put the quotes on this right. Like keep the job, retain the job, uh, take the step up that he was supposed to take up, whatever you may say, I thought Zanuck was the favorite to do that. And then I guess kind of Sovis would be would be next for me. I think that makes logical sense. And then Wilcox, if I'm ranking those three, would, would kind of be in that order. But again, I mentioned it on Twitter earlier tonight when someone asked me if I could rank them, I said, well, I feel confident in number one. 
And then two and three, I, I don't really know how those two line up, but to me, Zanuck is still number one. Um, Karnasovas obviously remains very interesting uh, just because of that European connection. Also, uh, our friend Adam Morris over at Lockdown Nuggets had sent me a video of Karnasovas playing basketball, um, which is just fantastic. It was like 15 minutes of him playing uh, basketball in Europe, and I totally admit i watched all 15 minutes of it and thought it was wonderful um so he kind of has that interesting background where he was a former player then he ended up being a scout for the houston rockets for five years um and then he gets hired to be assistant gm in denver and then all of a sudden denver drafts a whole mess of very good international prospects and again if you're trying to place those data points around and try to figure out uh, what his qualifications are, I think the the logical thing to do would be, well, he probably had a whole lot to do with them drafting guys like Nurkic and Jokic. But uh, again, that's just an assumption you can make from the outside. There's there's not really a way for us to know that for sure because we have no way to know how any of the inner workings of these front offices go. Um, but that seems like a pretty safe... Uh, conclusion to draw so obviously I think that's exciting but yeah it comes back to Zanuck and I think he's the favorite for this position yeah it's it's interesting I mean I don't know I mean Zanuck is is the guy running the show right now um I mean it's sort of those things like I don't think um I don't think you're you're necessarily you know trying to make a decision to optimize the process for this upcoming NBA draft um, but by the same token, if you were to hire somebody else, I, I mean, if it happened, you know, in the next few days, for instance, like I, it, it would just be so strange, right? Because it's like, well, who, who's, you know, is that guy coming in and wanting to keep a bunch of people or like, how does this even work? Um, it, it would certainly involve a lot of, you know, a lot of risk to, to bring anybody different in who's not currently part of the setup, um, and and that's not really why I'm I wouldn't say like my you know sort of comfort in the idea of going with Zanuck isn't really driven by oh I just don't want to be you know disruptive to the current process but um, you know it's more just sort of like I mean he has I think a, a track record if you talk to people in the organization I've never heard anybody say anything bad about Justin Zanuck you know I've only heard sort of sort of the comments that you would want to hope about him being a smart guy um, you know. Uh, I think his his track record as an agent and um, you know kind of coming from that side and and then you know having that expertise obviously on a negotiating and um, and a cap side and and being analytically open minded things like that I mean all the things you would sort of expect him to have he has um, you know somebody like Karnasovas I don't know right I mean he's a former player no idea what his view is on things like analytics no idea how savvy he is on like cap stuff what his opinion is on you know, who, who knows what they what they're saying in these interviews? Um, but obviously, Zanuck, you kind of know because he's been in the organization. He knows all the people, um, and uh, there wouldn't be obviously a transition sort of in terms of um, having to get to know what he's already sort of dealing with. And I, I mean, I, you know, it's one of those things. I, I don't know really what uh, if Zanuck were to stay. I don't know what that would mean for the likes of Billy McKinney and Dave Babcock and those kinds of guys either. Like, I, I would assume it would probably be more likely that you would see like the, the scouting sort of personnel folks stick around just because of the familiarity factor, but who knows, right? I mean, if Justin Zanuck is, is the full-time GM, I'm sure there'd be 
perhaps some turnover. And, you know, we know we've talked a bit about, um, you know, that, that group and, um, their connections with, with John Hammond. And I don't know, we haven't really heard much of anything about whether any of them would eventually leave, but obviously they're here now. Um, and presumably they're here through the draft. Um, but you know, you can kind of extrapolate out. I mean, even if the, the, the draft prep maybe doesn't get totally upended by a new person coming in, even if that person doesn't come in and, you know, have a completely different view of what the Bucks should do there. I mean, free agency is a week and a half later, and obviously there's lots of important decisions to be made about what this roster looks like. And if you're brand new, um, I mean, the guys we're talking about are, they're in the NBA. I mean, they're not like going to be totally unfamiliar with what the Bucks have on their roster, but they don't know the players personally. They don't know the backstories, all these other things. So, um, so in any way, um, yeah, long story short, I think, Zanuck is still the obvious choice. I think he's a strong choice. Um, Karnasovas is probably the guy who, I mean, he hasn't been fired or called out for racially incentive sensitive comments over the last year. So that's really a feather in his cap relative to Wes Wilcox. Um, but uh, I don't know. I mean, I'd say the, the, the two candidates who might actually be, you know, candidates that, that wouldn't have, you know, tomatoes thrown at them are pretty obvious here. And there's one candidate that obviously sort of sticks out um, as, as being, of let's just say, charitably a less obvious option. But um, here we are, and hopefully we'll have an answer sooner rather than later. Yeah, it, it is sort of interesting that there, there's not a, a ton of responses that I've received tonight from people other than people kind of asking who I may think the favorite is. And the, the ones that I'm getting are like, oh, it's a pretty good list. And there's been some pretty good candidates, except... What is Wilcox doing there? Uh, and like you said, I, I do think that would be an odd choice with those three candidates, but we'd really have to see. And I think all that other stuff you mentioned is interesting as well because I, I don't really know how this ends up working. Is there some professional courtesy from all parties involved that, hey, you already started the, the draft and scouting process, uh, we'll let you finish that out, and then once you get through free agency, maybe once you get to August and maybe you're starting that next recruiting year, whatever you may want to call it, where you start that next cycle of looking at the next year's draft, is that when changes are made? Is that maybe when some people get removed from the Magic staff and get added from the Bucks staff to the Magic staff and then the Bucks have to fill in some new things there? I, I don't really know, but uh, I, I think that is something that's interesting to watch. And I guess one of the other things I've been thinking about too is that when you look at these three candidates, I wouldn't say any of them are the big fish or, or like the big splash that we had talked about. And I guess one of the kind of lingering questions that I've had is we talked about it with the Magic hire, uh, but when the Magic hired Weltman and Hammond, they said, okay, the one of the requirements is you need to keep Frank Vogel. And with these three guys that maybe aren't as powerful, aren't guys that could demand uh, certain things, I, I would kind of think that a condition of getting this far in the interviews and getting this far uh, to be one of the three finalists, I would have to assume that that also means that they're under the impression that as of now, Jason Kidd is staying and Jason Kidd would be their coach. Um, and, and I think that's something that kind of remains interesting to me. And I guess I wonder if 
that was a stipulation put on people that were interested in interviewing that, hey, if you want this job, kid's going to be your coach and that's going to be the way that it is. And I wonder if that maybe scared some people off or made some people not all that interested or made people ask for more money or, or whatever it may be. Um, I'm very curious about that. And, and I think with these three candidates, I, to me, that that seems like something that you could assume that, okay, these are guys that are up and coming or, in Wilcox's case, trying to recover from getting being forced to resign and into this other role and trying to recover his career. Like it, To me, it seems like all three of those guys would be willing to accept uh, Jason Kidd as their head coach. I mean, let's be honest. I mean, it, it, it's pretty hard to, you know, it, let, let's just say this. It would probably be cutting against the grain of expectations no matter what we always discuss as far as you know Jason Kidd's shortcomings as a coach you know to come in from the outside as you know a GM candidate not knowing necessarily the political terrain of what how Jason Kidd is perceived by you know the the parts of ownership and um, and other parts of the organization and perhaps most importantly the fact that I mean this team owes him what is it as much as 18 million as part of his three-year extension? Mm-hmm. Some, something on that order. Um, I mean, it's kind of hard to come in and say, you know, well, you should definitely fire this guy because you know, and just you know, eat the eight. You, you ownership should eat the 18 million, and I'll go find you a new coach. It's it's a it's a <laughs> delicate That'd be a tough sell. That would be a tough it's, sell. It's you know, it's a delicate conversation. So I'm, I, I would imagine. I mean, we haven't heard anything to indicate that it's it was a clear stipulation that oh you have to keep jason kidd um but i mean look as much as i want to sit here and act like oh if i was interviewing for that job i would go in there and tell him kids crap and i'm gonna fire him on the first you know it's like dude like that's if john hammond has taught you anything (laughs) that that would not be the way to go about getting and or keeping a (laughs) one of the 30 nba gm positions yeah, I mean, there are much, even if that is what you want to do, there are much more diplomatic ways of doing it. And certainly as GM, I mean, you're playing the long game. Um, you know, you, you it, it is, I think the diplomatic and probably politically savvy way to do it is you come in and you say, well, you know, I mean, blah, 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 window dressing, window dressing, you know, something to basically kick the can down the road so that you're not committing to, anything really but also not trying to act like you know you have all the answers necessarily or or that you know you know or that you're going to presume that ownership's going to be willing to eat all that money or whatever it might be so um so yeah it's it's a delicate thing especially if you are a younger gm candidate right if you're again if if it was david griffin if it was you know i don't even want to i don't even want to mention rc buford's name i feel so absurd even like continuing to like talk about this idea that you could have gotten R.C. Buford, but whatever. You know, if you were able to get, like, a big fish type guy, like, yeah, that guy can can demand things that other guys can't. If you're an assistant GM trying to kind of make that leap, um, I'm, I'm guessing, and I have no inside inform- information on this, I'm guessing you're probably playing it pretty safe, and you're trying not to step on toes. Um, and but, but I don't know. I mean, who knows what kind of conversations might have, might have happened um, behind closed doors, and obviously maybe you know, maybe ownership or parts of ownership, maybe they would actually like somebody coming in and maybe being a bit more aggressive, right? But um, I, there are probably ways, that, shades of gray, let's just say shades of gray are probably the best way to try to, you know, come in and and, uh, and play that 
uh, play that angle for the, from the coaching side. Um, and, and obviously, yeah, I mean, the rest of the staff too, right? I mean, you've got a bunch of people who have um, contributed to, you know, obviously building a core that, that now makes this job pretty attractive. Um, I can't imagine anybody's coming in an interview and saying like, oh, yeah, I clean house and, you know, bring in my entire all, all new front office. I mean, why? That would be kind of silly. To, to begin with, but um, but we'll see. And actually, what, one other thing that I, uh, somebody asked me, um, you know, somebody asked me, and I think part of it was, you know, seeing as how all, all these guys, I mean, let's, let, let, I don't even want to talk about Wes Wilcox, but this goes for him too, considering he's basically unemployed. But, you know, like someone asked me, well, w- could you just get like both Car- Karnasova and and, um, and Zanuck and, and just have both of them? And my reaction to that is, especially because these are younger guys, um, I don't think they're trying to hire like a president of basketball operations and a GM. I think they're looking to hire a GM. And if I'm making one of these guys a GM, I really don't want to then also tell him like, oh, hey, here's your assistant GM who you just beat out for the GM job. And now you're going to work with them because we think he's also pretty great. Like th- that just feels like the kind of, you know, confusing sort of messaging that is kind of how we got to this place in the first, you know, uh, in the first place with the Bucks kind of not having the clearest of decision-making hierarchies and all that stuff. Like for me, I think you hire your guy and then you go tell that guy, all right, you want an assistant GM, go find yourself an assistant GM or go promote yourself an assistant GM from the guys already on staff or whatever it is. But I would, I, I don't know. Like I, I personally, as much as, you know, I'm team Zanuck and I also think, um, you know, Karnasovas is, is interesting. Uh, I don't know. I, I don't trying to kind of shoehorn everybody under, under one roof. I don't know. I don't know if that really makes sense. Um, I don't know if, I mean, does Zanuck want to stick around if you hired Karnasovas as a GM? Like, I don't know. I think you're just, again, kind of creating a bunch of weird politics and hashtag team Zanuck. That's, that's my, that's my bottom. Also, why would that be attractive to that person? Like whoever the number two person is, is that some, is that a move they really want to make? Like, hey, you know, you're you're working under someone right now. We really like what you're doing there, and I'm sure you probably like what you're doing there uh, because you've stayed at this job for how many ever years. How about this? How about you can be our number two? A totally lateral move where you just got beat out by this guy. Like, like I just don't I don't see why that would be attractive to whoever the number two person is like that just does not seem like a logical move for them to make career-wise to go laterally and then have to be the number two to the person that beat you out in an interview man i don't think i'd enjoy that i don't know about these other people maybe again nba jobs are always different but even if you get the bump from assistant gm to gm but you have uh, a president of basketball ops like that that doesn't seem like a move that you'd actually make because then all of a sudden you're locked in there for a couple i don't know to me that just doesn't make a whole lot of sense um well especially because especially because the age of these guys right because we're talking about a bunch of guys who are who are on the younger side i think you know uh Karnasovas is is 46 i think and xanax i think 41 or something like that um so, you know, none of all these, and that's why Zana came here in the first place, right? Because he was under Dennis Lindsay, who obviously wasn't going anywhere anytime soon. And I mean, look, of course, he wants to have a chance to move up, and 
um, you know, Zanuck obviously also had the, the kind of Wisconsin and Midwest connections as well, you know, with his wife and everything. So, you know, there were, there were multiple appealing angles to coming to Milwaukee, but certainly part of it obviously was, was having at least a, a line to becoming a GM sooner rather than later. And if, you know, you're one of these other guys and you, you come to Milwaukee, let's say to work for Zanuck, well, the idea is not that Zanuck's going to retire in five years and then you become GM, right? So it, 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 it would obviously set up a weird dynamic with, with something like that. So, so yeah, I mean, let's just, let's just hire a GM and, and let the guy go and actually <laughs> decide who he wants to work for him, you know, <laughs> yeah, let him pick an assistant GM. I hope that, you know, even if, even if implicitly a coaching move is less likely this summer, um, I would hope that that person over the next year would, at a minimum, let's just say this, have a very strong say in in who is coaching the Milwaukee Bucks uh, moving forward. And and I realize that you know the kid decision. I mean, there's lots of baggage with that, um, and there's lots of money tied up in that, which makes it, you know, just inherently not something that the GM can just go decide without without ownership buying off, given the big financial repercussions. But um, but you would hope, obviously, and this is obviously what we, you know, Bucks fans have been kind of trying to hope for for a long time is is having a GM just who it's like you feel like the guy actually he's actually the one making decisions and you know that there is some sort of sense of um, of structure there that that is codified and and reasonable and and intelligible and and again not that as fans we deserve to understand the dynamics of every decision a team makes because coaches should have some input and you know there's lots of voices in a in an organization but you know just i don't know just i I just don't want to spend the next you know three years talking about you know whether the coach is actually the one pulling all the strings and whether the gm hates the coach and you know all this other kind of stuff like that i mean selfishly i don't want to have that conversation anymore i mean it makes for less you know fewer podcasting topics but i'm good with that i'm done with it we can find other topics. We'll find we we of all people will conjure up other correct. random crap to talk about. Clearly, we can do that. So one thing I wanted to touch on, I, I guess as we've gone through this process, the the last two weeks as the Bucks have not had a general manager, I've found something out about myself, and <laughs> maybe it's been a time of deep reflection for you. <laughs> I don't know about all that, but I guess. We touched on it a little bit last week when you were talking about like bringing all these people in and kind of like listening to what they had to say, and me not really getting that or thinking that that would happen. I found out that personally, this process is to me the way I imagine it not quite as fantastical as it seems like all of the the Bucks fandom has kind of embraced it and thought it to be like there's oh they could get all these people and you could get all these great ideas from all these just impressive basketball minds and in my head it's like i don't these are job interviews like again you're gonna ask them some interesting questions but you're gonna listen to their answer and think okay that's bullshit or you're gonna think oh that's that's good and i think that's smart but I, I don't. I don't know if there's like a process where you're grabbing these ideas and synthesizing these ideas and saying, "Okay, the smart people think this, so we're going to tell our GM, or our GM has to think this." I just don't know if all of that exists. And I guess 
I wanted to ask you, are you okay with how the process has gone down? Because we we didn't hear about an interview with Daryl Morey. We didn't hear about an interview with uh, David Griffin, R.C. Buford, like all these more fantastical ideas. None of those things ended up happening. So are you- we did we did not get Red Auerbach being um, <laughs> exhumed from his grave and reanimated. Didn't happen. Didn't happen. It was not reanimated. If it- I- why can our ownership group not reanimate Red Auerbach for an interview? I mean, um, it's a great and valid question, Frank. Um, but I, I'm curious, did, is this, did, did it go down like you expected it to go down? I mean, I, I think it largely did, right? I mean, I think when, when we started talking about this, I think, you know, we were kind of like, Ugh, what are they, like, what, what's going on? Why, why is this happening now? Why, why does it seem like they weren't prepared for this moment of, with John Hammond leaving? Um, but I think in terms of what's happened since then, knowing that they were going to do a search, I mean, as we said, I mean, the, the best candidates, the, the big names, they're usually like those guys don't move for a reason, right? Like RC Buford hasn't left San Antonio in the last 25 years because not because like, you know, no one has thought of trying to take him out of San Antonio. Right. And, um, you know, I, I think the, I think the only, you know, I keep coming back. The only like interesting name to me that like was would have been at least somewhat available would have been like a Sam Hinkie type guy, um, and he's obviously polarizing, and he would seem to be particularly. Um, and again, I have no idea what Rod Thorne's view of Sam Hinkie is, but mm-hmm. he replaced Ed Stefanski, who we know Rod Thorne is close with. Um, <laughs> yes. So the contrast, let's say, uh, between you know what. Uh, Sam Hinkie represented and and you know what sort of Rod Thorne's you know friendship with Ed Stefanski whatever what whatever the, the symbolism obviously would would suggest that uh, a Sam Hinkie type guy would would not or not type guy but Sam Hinkie specifically was probably not uh, a guy that was you know necessarily super high on on Rod Thorne's list and I mean I thought it would have been cool if if Sam Hinkie for instance had gotten interviewed um, I mean it was interesting and super random to hear Becky Hammond's name. Never in a million years did I think I'd hear Becky Hammond's name. We still don't know if that was, you know, anything really serious or whether that was just sort of a, you know, a bone throwing exercise or whatever it was. But, um, I don't know. I mean, it's, we've heard a lot of names and we've heard a lot of like very random names and we've heard some names that, you know, are, I think are kind of make sense or are more in the up and coming variety, like Carnosovas and, um, and Adam Simon, you know, as, as a couple, um, so I don't know if there's anything super shocking, kind of, we are where we are. Zanuck is seemingly still the guy that seems the most likely option, which is kind of what we've been assuming all along. So, um, I don't know if the process is that surprising. I don't think people should, if people want to be disappointed that Ed Stefanski's name lasted as long as it did and that Wes Wilcox's name has lasted as long as it has, I think that is fair. Um, as you said, I don't know if Stefanski's name lasting that long says more than just that Rod Thorne wanted to throw him a bone um, and get his name out there. Um, Wes Wilcox sticking around is is weirder um, and hopefully not indicative of who the future GM of the Bucks will be. Um, but yeah, I guess to you know make a, a short story long, uh, I don't think it's been a super surprising process at kind of a macro level. Um, I think we all talked about how ha- it happening faster would be better um, given you know, you want to get on with your summer and, um, we'll see, I guess if, if it does wrap up this week and, 
um, if the Bucks indeed can kind of move on and if indeed it's Justin Zanuck who's that guy or if maybe there's a curveball in store. Yeah, and I mean, that's what, like two weeks? I'm trying to think when Hammond would have left. I think the 26th, if that sounds right. I'm trying to think, look at a calendar quick, but that's about two weeks. Um, if it does get done by the end of the week, maybe two and a half weeks, somewhere in there. So as far as quickness, I guess that's relatively quick, especially, I mean, it is quick compared to the magic and they took what, six weeks somewhere in there. So uh, this would be quick. And yeah, I agree. This is, this is pretty much exactly what I expected. Cause again, the guys that can interview for these positions are going to be retreads that currently don't have a job or up and comers. And that's, that's pretty much what we saw. Um, and yeah, <laughs> Stefanski sticking around as long as he did, you know, him and Thorne, thick as thieves. Uh, so beyond that, though, yeah. I think pretty much everything has kind of happened the way that we thought it was. And now we're in a spot where I would say if if Justin Zanuck isn't the the most qualified and best hire of those three. He's at least very close to being that. And I still think that he's pretty much the the favorite here. And I wouldn't be surprised if in the end that's the guy who they end up going with. So um, I think unless you have something else to add, that that's going to be it for us for today on Lockdown Bucks. That was Frank Men. I'm Eric Name, and we will talk to you later. <laughs>